Do you have a sibling? Imagine having a sibling living in the same household, having the same upbringing, but completely different money stories. That's coming up in this episode. Need a judgment-free zone when it comes to your financial life? Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a bilingual podcast for today's Latina who typically thinks English but feels her Latina culture through and through. I am your host, Jen Hempel, and each week we have down-to-earth money conversations from people in La Comunidad Latina that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. Lista? Let's do it. Hola, hola, it's Jen Hempel, your host. Te agradezco por estar aquí. I thank you for being here. If you are listening to this on its release day, we are coming up on Mother's Day weekend. So I thought it would be cool to have you meet Las Hermanas Crystal and Esperanza, who are known as Latina Money Moms. In this episode, you're going to learn how these two sisters had the same upbringing, but completely different money stories. You're also going to learn how pawn shops were their family's emergency funds and why these sisters vowed to do different. You are also going to learn the story behind Crystal's car purchase at a 25% interest rate for the loan and what she learned from this. I bet you can imagine as well as Esperanza's pivotal moment that helped her shift from earning $14,000 in one year to now six figures. Let me share with you a little bit about Latina Money Moms. They are two sisters who are inspiring to design a life you love by starting with your finances. They decided to start Latina Money Moms because facts are facts. And unfortunately, Latinos are underrepresented in so many areas with no exception to personal finance and building wealth. Esperanza is a professional coach and consultant, an army veteran, and Crystal is a nurse. Both work from home and have successfully created a life they love while paying off their debt and being completely transparent about the process, encouraging their readers to lose the money guilt, shame, and by gaining a feeling of empowerment and control with their finances. Lista? You ready? Vamos a conocer a Crystal y Esperanza. Let's go meet Crystal and Esperanza. Bienvenidas, Crystal y Esperanza. It's the first time that I have two guests on the show, at least doing it virtually. <laughs> so I'm excited to have you ladies here and get to know you. Thank you. We are excited to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, Jen, thanks so much for inviting us on the show. So first, we I wanted to address or talk about your money story. So it'll be interesting because you both are sisters. And it'll be interesting to see what your money story is, how it differs, and how it's similar. So I wanted to hear from, well, let's start with you, Esperanza, first. What is your money story? What did you hear, experience, see that really impacted how you think about your money and how you manage it? Um, yes. So I think Crystal and I, we grew up, we were pretty poor when we were younger. We were worried about money when we were pretty young. <laughs> so this is something that our money, like the way that our money mindset has definitely changed throughout the years. And 
I remember one of the first times that I knew like the value of money was Domino's pizza. And, and that sounds so funny, but do you remember when Domino's came out with a stuffed crust pizza? I think I was probably like six years old, Jen. And a, yeah, do you remember? I was probably six years old and we had all of us over at my mamita's house. There were probably like 12 of us, my uncles, my cousins, my mom and dad. There were about 12 of us there and they wanted this stuffed crust pizza that we were all excited for, but there was only enough money for two pizzas. So when that pizza came in, everybody got like one or maybe like a half a piece of pizza. And I knew that my mom wanted a second piece of pizza. And at six years old, I told myself, like, I'm just going to say that I don't want it so that she can eat it. And that was when I was like, wow, we don't have enough money for pizza. And then I was thinking, like, I, I remember I went outside that day and I was looking around. And I was like, how come we don't have enough money for pizza? <laughs> like, when I get older, I want to be able to buy pizza, you know? Yeah. And at that time, because now you can get the Domino's pizza for the same price as a frozen pizza, yes. right? So, and I'm wondering at that time, because what years were this? About oh gosh, I'm 31. So I, I'm not very good, great at math. <laughs> but so you're, you're younger than me. So I'm like, look, I was just trying to see if I was uh, had moved to the States because I'm like, I don't recall. We didn't get pizza <laughs> because we couldn't afford it. So it was like always lentejas, arroz, papa, yes. <laughs> eh, pasta. My dad's favorite when uh, he we moved to the States because my mom had to stay in Colombia and I don't eat hot dogs very much because of this, because there wasn't enough money. So the meat was the hot dogs. <laughs> so it was rice, hot up hot dogs and maybe some peas or, or something to that extent. Right. So <laughs> on a side note, but yeah, so probably I'm wondering if at that time, all of that sidetracked, I got sidetracked. <laughs> To say if the pizzas were uh, more expensive, than yeah, now. and I, it was I, you know um, it was Pizza Hut, sister. Domino's doesn't oh, have. Pizza Hut. <laughs> Sorry, we're gonna, gonna we're gonna get somebody that's gonna be like really technical and go back and be like, in 1996, there was no stuffed crust <laughs> from Domino's. Okay, it was Pizza Hut, but no, Jen. Like the same thing with us. We always have tortillas, arroz, frijoles. My grandma would make it every single day. Those were our staples. So this was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this was a really big treat for us. And I remember it was a big deal. Like we were waiting, we were all waiting, even the grownups, like little kids, like, oh my God, we're going to get to try this pizza because we didn't get stuff like that. And then the pizza got there and I saw that there were too many of us for those two boxes of pizza. So I was like, no, I don't want any. Mom was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, okay. <laughs> you know, and she ate her second piece. <laughs> yeah, I do so not that remember that. That. So that's when money store that impacted you. How about you, Crystal? Um, what is like something that, that you remember that's just a, has had a really big impact? So I'm the oldest of five girls. And so I was almost like a second mom to a lot of my sisters. And I just remember the insecurity. I don't have a lot of memories of Hopi has like this photographic memory. And I call it Esperanza Hopi. It's really weird for me to say Esperanza because I've never mm -hmm. called her that. But anyway, Hopi has this photographic memory and she can remember like every mean thing I ever did to her when we were kids and bring it yeah. up, you know, I don't. So I can remember feelings better. And I just remember I never felt secure. I always felt like, yeah, we moved a lot as kids and we had like utilities shut off often. And I just, I remember that feeling. And as I grew up and became a mom, I just remember thinking like, I don't want my kids to ever worry if we're going to get kicked out or evicted, or if we're going to have enough money for food, or, if, you know, if something's going to be cut off. So I mean, I even pay my bills early now. 
and love paying my bills because, of, you know, I had that insecurity that uncertainty as a child. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I'm curious, Esperanza, do you order a Pizza Hut? And maybe you order more than like, like what, how is oh, that she for has you a now? Food insecurity. Oh my God. Yes. Interesting. And I think Crystal and I just discovered this block that I had with food. I always think that there's not enough food. So I will always over order. Now that I can do that, it'll be just us four. Well, us five now, because I have two teenagers, my husband, a 15 year old, a 14 year old, and an almost two year old. And I will still order three pizzas even though we can't, but that way I can actually pick up the extra pizza, put it in the Ziploc bag and put it away. So that's something that has affected me to this day is the food. So every time I'm in charge of ordering food, I will always order an abundance of food. So that really did impact me. I don't do that. So it's interesting because you both grew up in the same household. So this is, I I find this fascinating. You both grew up in the same household, but saw some different things. Or maybe you saw the same things, but the impact or how you, yeah, that impact was different. So Esperanza, your impact was with food and having a lack of food, which is what you experienced, which now it turns into you buy uh, an abundance of food, if you will. And then Crystal, it was more, you mentioned the feelings and not and the fear of having the electricity shut off, which translates to you now paying those which, bills. Which is and funny. It does translate that because when I moved, I bought this house and when I, my, and my mom called to switch the electricity for me and, you know, the, the water. And she was like, oh my God, they said that since you're such a good customer and you've never had a late payment, that they're not going to charge you a deposit. And she was like, so amazed. And I'm like, yeah, I always pay it on time. Like, why would I, you know, like, (laughs) I don't, I just don't think like that. Like, you know, we grew up with people like, okay, you don't pay your bills first. Like you wait till you get that red letter and it's going to get cut off. And then you go ask for help. And then you, you know, you figure it out. And I'm like, oh my God, I I could not do that. I would just stress out if I had a red letter in my mailbox. But that's us now, Jen, back in 2011, probably. Prior to 2011, we did have that mindset. We would pay our bills late. Oh my gosh. I remember I would wait until I got the shutoff notice because no one taught us that is what you're supposed to do. And then there were so many things that I felt like my grandma, I love her so much. She would take us to the thrift stores, right? But there were so many things that were instilled in us that we were told those things are not for us. Eso son para los bolillos is what my grandma would say to us. We would go to a yard sale only in the white neighborhood. Those were the only ones my grandma would go to. So we grew up or, you know, I had internalized this mindset that college, nice houses, nice cars, those things were not for me. It was not safe to have any of those at all. And then it wasn't until Crystal and I, we, Crystal and I spent a lot of our time together. I'm the second oldest. She's the oldest, but we've always been very close. Uh, we lived together. Do you want to take it from here? Like around what happened with that shift? Yeah, we lived together back in 2011. We 2009, 2010, 2011. We were living together and we had our kids together and we decided to take a financial peace university through the church that we were living by and we found Dave Ramsey. And he he like literally blew us away like, "What? You pay your bills first? You make sure you're secure in your family first and then you can figure out where to put your money." It was like that was the whole mindset change for us. And then we were excited and we were encouraged by that. Like at that time, nobody in our family, like nobody we knew in the real world had an emergency fund. 
No one. The emergency fund was pawn shops and like, you know, borrowing money. And it was just this, this cycle. So when we found Dave Ramsey, we were like amazed. And I remember getting my first $500 to put in that emergency fund. It took a long time, but that in 2011, that is when we were both going to school. We were not making a lot of money, but we had an idea of what we could do once we started making that money because we had his budgeting concepts. Yeah. And yeah. at first I was like, who is this crazy white man like telling us what to do with our money? Why can't we go out to eat? You know, I was like, at first it was like, it's like a culture shock, Jen. And then... Our family, like our parents, they still don't believe or like think that's the right way. They're like, no one's going to tell me how to budget my money or anything like that. So it was just me and Crystal, like always holding each other accountable. And then that's when we started to realize that we can have these things. We can. And back in 2011, I made 14000 for the entire year. Like that was our reality. We were still struggling. We were, I was living off of student loans at this time. I think I was at community college and then I went to university. And then I went to grad school, but Dave Ramsey really set us up with our foundation. And now we do things a little bit differently because we want to make sure that we're still living our best life and enjoying our family and our kids. But that foundation is strong and it is built. And that's why we're doing what we're doing to show it like, Hey, this is all out here. It's like the secret that we found that we just want to share with the world. You know, this feeling is incredible. And it's not, it, and it's not even a secret. It's just the truth. Like yeah. you need to know where your money is. A budget is not the B word. It's not a bad word. You know, yeah. like being on a budget is not a bad thing. Like I feel like Hopi has this glamorous lifestyle. Like we have two different budgets. Like I'm on one income and, you know, she almost makes double what I make. And so she introduces me to a lot of like bougie things that we say, you know, but it's so funny. Limited amounts. <laughs> yeah. But we're like, we're changing each other's mindsets and she's introducing me to like more quality things. And I'm able to rein her back when she's like going crazy. And so it's a really good balance that we have. And people are able to relate to us because we have two different income styles. So if they can't relate to me and they have, you know, more of a bougie lifestyle, like my sister, they, <laughs> they can, they can, um, you know, relate to her, but we're sharing the same thing. We're sharing that being a, a budgeter, like budgeting your money and knowing where your money is going is so powerful. And I honestly know that it's going to change my children's lives because they will never grow up um, with food scarcity or wondering if they're going to have new clothes for school or wondering how they're going to have school supplies. And I give my kids money every single week so that they can learn how to budget their money. And we were at Walmart the other day and my, my son, it was like so many lanes were full and he was in a different lane and he's like, my card's not working. Can you check my balance? Well, he was trying to buy more than what he had. And I'm like, I'm not bailing you out. You better go back in that line and put stuff back. You know, like I'm trying to teach him, like you have this much money. You need to remember how much you have before you go to the store. Can't just spend, spend, spend. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. And, and you need to, it's good for them to fail now when yep. they have you by their sides and failing later where they're like, oh, <laughs> what do I do? Exactly. So I love that. I mean, and I've had so, that failure. My first car that my dad, and bless my dad, he, I mean, we, my, if we grew up with a bad money mindset, my parents probably grew up with a worse one, you know, it's generational. And it's unfortunately, it is until you break that cycle. Um, so he took me to get my first car, 25% interest on a lemon, 25% interest. I'm 18 years old. I'm working for like $7 an hour. My entire checks. Like every single week would go to that car. 
And it ended up breaking down and I had to go through a lawsuit. It, I mean, it took years because it was a lemon and they, that company was selling lemon cars and it was a mess. And I just thought to myself, I will never go you know, to a buy here, pay here place. And then um, doing payday loans. And I wasn't able to pay a payday loan, writing a bad check. Like these are all things in my history that I know people are still um, going through today. And so I like right. to share and my failures. No, it's good and because we can learn from those, right? There might be another person listening to this particular episode right now that is experiencing this at this very moment, right? Yeah. And I'm curious, though. So you grew up where? I grew up in is Michigan. Where, and so you both are from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then are you first generation, second generation third. Latina? Third. Okay. Third generation. So third generation Latinas. And, no. and I find this interesting. I don't think so. My my grandparents were born in Mexico. Then they moved here. My mom was born in Mexico. We were the first generation born here. But she was raised in the States. Got it. Got it. Now, I asked that because you mentioned payday loans and those places where they sell you those cars with a high interest rate. So who do they target, right? They target the Latino community. They target the military. Because I know, Esperanza, you're all in the military. I'm a military spouse. So they target those communities for different reasons for the the military because they know there's a steady yeah. paycheck and the Latinos because they don't necessarily, depending on, because of course you, you ladies know there's different Latinos. There's the ones that have just immigrated, those that have been there. So their knowledge of the sources uh, or the financial system varies, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. And so therefore those payday loans and those car places target those that maybe don't necessarily have that knowledge, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> On the finance, because they're like, well, this is how it is. And this is this made it easy. I can't do it. Go exactly. get this anywhere oh else, my God. right? Exactly. Gosh, exactly. exactly. That's it. It's like we are taught or, you know, we see from our parents and our family and everyone around us that if you need money, like that's what you do. And Jen, God, I'm getting like this pit in my stomach because that was me too. Like we grew up hiding from Rent-A-Center. You know what Rent-A-Center is? Mm-hmm. Like literally, I remember standing in front of the window because somebody was knocking and my mom was like, um, my mom had told me if they come knocking, like just don't answer or else they're going to take the stuff because I didn't pay it. So I am 12 years old and I'm anxiety. hiding by the window. You know, I'm hiding by the window and then the man saw me. So then I had to <laughs> open the door. So like, I, you know, I gosh, that still puts such a bad paint. But that's something that now, in, like we do not rent anything. No, like, we will outright buy it and save in cash for it because we, yes, <laughs> we have like that furniture pain. <laughs> so and the pawn shops, though, I remember so many times having to ask my dad to go take my computer to pawn it so that I could make rent, you know, mm-hmm. and and he did. God bless my dad. Like, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, we can just take it to the pawn shop, you know. And this is the same man that I'll quickly give you this one. Crystal says, I remember everything. And I do was washing dishes. I was probably like eight years old and it was Christmas time. My parents didn't have I don't even think I don't even I think my mom was working, but my dad wasn't. My dad had this old beat up Chevy truck, blue, the blue truck is what I call it. And I remember being so embarrassed when we would have to go anywhere in that truck. You know, but it was the only kind of transportation that we had. And I remember my dad saying, I think I'm going to sell the truck so that I can buy presents. And even then at eight years old, like I felt like this little stab in my heart because I was like, I knew that was wrong. You know, I knew that my dad shouldn't have to sell his truck, our family vehicle to buy his presents. And sure enough, he did. He sold it for $600. And Jen, of course, now I can't even remember anything of actual value that we were given. 
at Christmas because it was just these materialistic dolls or whatnot. But we were without a vehicle for probably six months after that. We had to take the bus. We had to wait for my uncle or my aunts to come and pick us up and take us to our grandma's house. Right. No. And I hear you because, I mean, I, I hearing you, my situation was a little different, but there's a lot of similarities to it. Right. And now I'm curious. So you had this experiences you mentioned back in 2011, you were adults and out in the working field and making about 14K a year. What had, what shifted? Because now you are doing better, a lot better. So what has shifted from 2011 to now to that has gotten to both of you to the place that you're at right now? So what, what caused the shift? Um, I would say education. So we um, didn't have a lot of role models that went to college. Hopi decided to go to um, the military route, but she had already had a, a couple of degrees before she went into the military. And when she went into the military, I watched her kids while she was in boot camp or when she was deployed. So we're really grateful that we have each other because I could always count on her if I needed help and she could always count on me. And then so she went the military route and then I went to vocational school and became a nurse. So I'm an LVN. So there's a lot of people, though, that make, you know, six figures or five figures and they have these great jobs, but they have no idea where their money is going. And that's the difference. Because we had that background of budgeting and we knew even when we had very little, we knew how to put those pieces together. It was still a work in progress. It's still a work in progress right now. But because of our education and having, you know, the support, and that's why we're trying to build this network, this platform to support each other. And we want to hear your goals and we want you to listen to our failures and our, you know, how we've overcome things. Because if we would have had that in 2011, or, you know, before, like I, maybe I could have avoided a 25% interest card. I could have avoided a payday loan. You know, if I would have just had somebody say like, Crystal, that's not okay. You know, it's not going to come out well for you in the end. I've already done that. And this is what happened to me. Why don't you try this? But anyway, I think the biggest thing that changed was our education and then just the motivation because there was years that we've had good money and we've still, you know, kind of blown it. Mm-hmm. At first, I was like, I'm rich when I got my first job, you know, and I was thinking that I could buy everything because so for so many years, we couldn't buy things. And so then I was like, oh, I want to buy this and I want to buy this. And I had that shiny eye syndrome where I wanted all these shiny objects. And thankfully, I scaled it back and, you know, talking to Crystal, we have each other as a support system. But I think for me, the main thing was the mindset. Like for so many years, I had these things ingrained that these were not for me. I remember looking at my friend Chelsea and she was going to PA school while I'm working a operator job at Honda. I was making like eight bucks an hour. And that is really the pivotal point in my journey. I didn't even have a high school diploma yet. I was 20 years old, no high school diploma. And I remember seeing this white woman, one of my friends, and she was going, at this point, she was just finishing up her bachelor's degree. And I, I went home that night and I thought like, I guess I just started thinking about all the possibilities of what could be if I started. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. To shift and like prayed about it. And then I was like, what's the one thing that I could do to get there? And that was a high school diploma. And from there, it was like dominoes just kept falling. Like, okay, now what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? Yeah. And you hit the nail on my next question because I was like, so you got this education, but what pushed you forward? And for you, Esperanza, it was working 
for $8 an hour and then seeing your friend rising uh, Mm -hmm. to do other things. And how about for you, Crystal? What would you say? Is it just, do you all kind of feed off each other, I suppose, because you have that great support? I I also think- Or what would you say that? Yeah, I also, I think a big motivation for me is we had kids young. I was 20 when I had my son. Hopi was a teen when she had her kids. Mm -hmm. And so we've always had kids around us. And even as, you know, as younger girls, we took care of our cousins and, you know, we were always around in our siblings. So my motivation was a little different. My motivation was I grew up with a mom that worked 12 hour shifts. She still does. My mom is a nurse also. So my mom, she wasn't a nurse when we were growing up. She was just like an aide and she would work 12 hour shifts at the hospital. And I just remember like, I just loved when she would come home because when your mom is home, everything is better. And I remembered that. Well, and I worked so much when I was in nursing school and I was working a full-time job. I was a single mom. And so my motivation was I want to be home with my kids as much as possible. You know, so I chose nursing. I could work three 12-hour shifts at night when my kids were sleeping. And then I could be home, you know, four days a week. And eventually I was able to find a job that I can work 100% remote. So that is, I think the kids were a big motivator because I was able to take on and help my family with their kids when they needed me. Love it. For me, that was huge too, is because I saw both my parents. I was born in Colombia and saw my parents working so hard. And then when we moved to the States, pretty much starting over, even though my dad's American. So I want to make sure that I paint the uh, picture clearly. So I didn't have, we didn't have some of the challenges that other people have coming to the States just because my dad, but because of my mom's background and how she grew up without money, well, had money and then didn't have money. She was wired that she had to have a career. She had to work. And that's just how she became. So it was working, working, working. So, you know, and I love my moms, but and and not to take anything away from how she raised me, but I hardly saw her. Yeah. Because why she was always working. So any school activities, sometimes she went, other times she didn't because she had work to do. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I got married and we started talking kids and I was a military spouse, that was really, really important for me as well as for my husband, because one factor was the not seeing my parents as much. And the second factor was like, I'm a military spouse. He's going to be gone quite a bit. I can't have two parents be away. So that was huge. And so we went from a two household income. We were in New Mexico on our first duty station. I don't know if you've heard of Clovis, New Mexico, (laughs) Uh, the memories. And uh, then we went, had my child, my firstborn, and we went down to one income and I was making more than him. Granted, we weren't making a lot of money together or, but we had to, we took it to one income. And from there that I made it work. I mean, it was, (laughs) I wish I recorded what we did. Like, how are you doing? I don't know. (laughs) You do. If you want something bad enough, you figure it out. If you want something bad enough, if you want change bad enough, like you want to, you want to change your body. You're going to get up and go to the gym. You're, if you want it bad enough, you can do anything. Right. And that's why we have a little bit of tough love mixed in with, you know, living our best life. Because that's one thing I remember talking to Hopi two years ago. And I was like, yes, I'm budgeting, but I am not giving up healthy foods. Like whenever you look up, you know, 50 or $70 a week menu plans, it's a lot of stuff that you should not be eating. Like personally, I would not eat a lot of these um, packaged things. I like to cook. I, I love cooking for my family. 
And we talked about that. And she's like, we don't have to sacrifice that, you know, and being able to slowly add things that add value and me time and taking care of myself and learning that as a woman, as a mom, as a wife, I have to take care of myself before I can help anybody. And so being able to add in like healthy foods and juicing and spas into our budgets, like that's also, I think, how we differ because we don't teach and we're sharing and teaching what we are doing. And we don't say like, you can't do something like you want to do something, do it, but pay your bills first. That's all we're saying. Get have that security and everything else will work itself out. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we really like talk about budgeting all of the categories. And yeah, we talk about budgeting all the categories. Like we encourage you to budget for date night and we encourage you to give yourself an allowance so you don't feel restricted while you're on your budgeting journey. But what you do with your money now, no matter how much money you have, is what you're going to do with your money later, no matter how much money you have. So when we were making like 14000 we were still budgeting. I remember writing it on the back of an envelope, right? So that way I didn't have to ask my mom or Crystal, can I borrow $20 for gas? Can I borrow $5 for lunch? We were done living, even though we were, oh my gosh, we barely had enough to get by. But the back of the envelope was the way that we did it. And now, even now I make over, I make six figures. I still budget and I know where all of my money is going. So being on a budget doesn't mean that you're poor or broke. Being on a budget means that you're smart and you know where your money is going and you want to make sure that you have enough for all of these things that you want to do. And that's why we're like, people are like, oh, how, how does a budget, you know, help me live my best life? It helps you live your best life because then think about all the things that you can say yes to. Once you have your finances and you're not worried or stressed out about that you're all these spending extra here. money or, you know, I know yeah. everybody's had this feeling. Uh, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people, especially in the Latino community of that pit in your stomach, like you have all this money in your account, but what, what's going to go through? And did I pay my, you know, is my rent going to go through? Am I going to have money for groceries? Can I go out with my friends? You know, those are all the feelings that I used to have. And that's why I'm like so good about paying all my bills on time because I don't like feeling that at all. Right. And I love your concept of living the best life because I do something similar. I don't call it living the best life. I don't even have a name for it. But I love that because we're so, we really do what we see, right? And what do we see when in turn, when it comes to personal finance? We see, we got to save more, spend less, get out of debt, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But we're not taught about, like, as you say, living the best life. We're not taught that it's okay to splurge. Like, for a long time, because I followed all the financial advice and I became this extreme frugal person, Jen, we were that the same person. Out for us. Yes. Yeah, that did not work out for us. So my husband and I differ where I was like, okay, I go to work so I can save, save, save. Or, so that way we don't have a lack of money. And his mentality was, and we grew up in a similar kind of income household, not a okay. lot of money. But he grew up in a household where he was taught you go to work to make money so you can enjoy life. So when he wanted at that time, he loved barbecue chips. And I'm like, it's not a necessity. Right? <laughs> in my mind, it's not. A, that's how that is not right. Because then you get to a point where you're not enjoying life. So I was saving, saving, saving. And what's even crazier is that I was good at saving, but yet there were other areas in our life that we didn't account for, which I, I think is is huge. And I'm not going to get into it a lot in this interview. But because of those other areas that don't come monthly, 
I'd neglected those. So what would happen? I would save, 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 and all of a sudden, all that emergency savings would just go out just because I didn't account for that. And I'm like, so it didn't allow me to change that cycle because I'm like, oh my gosh, see, I got to save, 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 and we're not enjoying life. But that changed, obviously, because that's once I made that change is when I saw our finances change. Oh my God. So I think that is huge that you, I love that you have a name for it. I don't. (laughs) And you know what is funny is that I was the exact same way. Like right before we built this house, I was so frugal and I didn't really buy anything for me. And my daughter would ask me for like really nice clothes and I wouldn't buy it for her. And I just, uh, even though we had two incomes, you know, my husband's an electrician, I'm a nurse and we had good income coming in. I didn't feel like it was good enough. So I didn't feel like I could spend and I was very frugal. I mean, just cheap to the, you know, and once I was able, and I just thought Hopi lived this extravagant life because, you know, she's like, come visit me and we'll go to the spa. And I'm like, I've never been to a spa. Like almost like I've never known anybody that's gone to a spa. Like, do I deserve to be at a spa? Like, do I deserve to spend my money there? And once she took me there, I was like, oh my God, I need to be at a spa. Like, and slowly, and it's been just this past year, reading books on like mindset and energy and money and realizing, you know, like whatever you think about is what shows up in your life. And when I was able to say like, I I do deserve these things. And my family, you know, my kids were so excited. I got this $3,000 check back in February that we were not expecting. And so I'm like, let's go to the mall. I'm going to buy you guys new shoes. And you guys are getting um, bedroom makeovers. And that's what we spent the money on. Because I was like, I want them to know abundance, you know, like, they don't need to feel oppressed. But once I got rid of that mindset, we were able to save $10,000 for our down payment. Before I would be like, well, we're not going to go out to eat. And we're only going to eat, you know, rice and beans. And we're, you know, this is all we're going to do. And my husband, oh my God, he's on board with anything I do. I could probably convince him to join a cult with me. Like he he will do everything. (laughs) And so he's always on board. So I I actually have Hopi saying like, whoa, you know, it doesn't need to be that you don't need to be that crazy. It doesn't have to be like this. Like, look, I'm still doing this. And so yeah, once you change your mindset, that money, it, it you just don't realize where you're spending it. It's there. You just have to Absolutely. put it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you ladies started what's called Latina Money Moms. Tell me what led to starting that because you started it in 2018. Mm-hmm. Correct. So tell me like, what led to starting it? Um. Oh, gosh. I stumbled across a podcast, a fire podcast, mm-hmm. um, financial independence, retire early. And I was listening to the way that people were saving like 50%, 75% of their income and they were able to retire early. And then other than that, I was like listening to more Dave Ramsey. And I, I just became like really aware of finances and how people were doing it. And I remember the day that I called Crystal because I was so excited and I wanted to see what the Latinx community was doing how they were showing up for this. And Jen, I went on Google and I typed in Latina and money and it was just inappropriate money. things that were coming out. It was out. inappropriate things exactly. that were coming out. We were going to say, oh, there's stuff. Oh, come yeah. Up. Stuff and comes up, but not what you wanted. They were like, see. really? Like there's so many of us and we're educated. We have money. We, you know, we're these powerful women all over in the Latinx community. And there's nobody representing us or talking to us about money. Love it. I'm glad that you're doing that because you're right. And this is why I have shifted. I've been uh, at this for, oh gosh, I don't know, four or five years. And I noticed when I started the podcast, because I started with the Her Money Matters podcast, and 
I realized so, several years in, I'm like, okay, they know I'm Latina and I'm not really integrating my Latina roots. I mean, the podcast was very diverse guests. And then I'm like, I need to do something, right? I mean, I have this platform. I need to do more just because, you know, the impact of the gender wage gap, again, mm-hmm. like you all ladies mentioned, there's uh, not much catered to Latinas. Mm-hmm. And I always say, and the reason why I started Her Money Matters is that the perspective of a, of, uh, of uh, females of how they manage money is different from males. Yeah. So it's, mm-hmm. The how-to stays the same, like you budget the same, all those things, the skills, the how-to is the same, but the perspective is different, right? And how we think is different. So, and the same with culture, right? <laughs> with, and the Latino community, granted, it's, it's diverse in itself, right? Especially right. when you think about recent immigrant uh, families to those that are second, third generations, or someone like me that is growing where it's a, a Latinas are uh, being um, getting married to Americans, right? Mm-hmm. So that's my mom. That's, that's me. Right. And you're seeing a lot more of that these days. So there's different groups. And I want and I'm branding again here, but I wanted to make sure that the Latina and you all say Latinx very well. I'm, I'm older, so I'm still have to I have to get there <laughs> eventually. Eventually, I will. But the I wanted to make sure that I focus on the Latina because if we see someone and hear someone that has had similar experiences, has a diff, uh, similar culture, and um, like then we're going to relate. Yes. yes, yes, and no. I mean, we're looking at each other. You listening can't see us. But we're looking at each other and we still differ, right? Mm-hmm. Just like anything, we have different characteristics, facial characteristics and everything. But it's important because when you relate to someone, yeah. you're more open to listen, which is why this Her The Netto Matters podcast is important to me mm-hmm. because I want to make sure that we feature Latina mujeres <laughs> or women such as yourselves because it gives someone a chance to, oh, you know what? I related to the Pizza Hut story. Right. Or I related to the utilities being shut off and I related to eating lentejas five days a week. (laughs) So I think it's very, very important. And I love this. So what would you say is your biggest aspiration? What do you want to accomplish when you think big? uh, What do you want to accomplish with Latina Money Moms? Oh, my goodness. I think my greatest vision for Latina Money Moms for us is to be able to say that we help people change their lives. You know, and there's some amazing messages that are coming in like, wow, I never saw it this way. Thank you. Or, you know, the, the budgeting template has helped me so much. Or but I just got an emergency fund. I, we just had that message yesterday. Like you inspired me to fund my emergency fund. And that's a freeing feeling. Yes. And the other thing is we're so underrepresented. The, one of the biggest things that I want to get out across as well is that we empower other women to show up. And to sit at that table, it's todo no es para los bolillos. Like, you know, my grandma had told me that's not true. Everything is within reach and we, it's safe for all of us to have it. It is completely safe. And that's one of the biggest reasons why we started Latina Money Moms is because sometimes that's all it takes is for someone who looks like you, someone that has a similar story, like you said, and then you're like, you know what? That is for me. I can do that too. Absolutely. And then that's when we see all of these pivotal change movements happen. And it's something that just like, it's, it's so passionate for me to be able to talk to people about it. And people are like, wow, I had no idea, you know, and that was us for so many years, so many years. 
And even I think even if we could bring about change with sharing the message and having that time instead of them waiting till they're 25 or 30 or whatever that time frame may be, if they didn't listen to the message that you ladies share, or that I share, mm-hmm. that we can minimize, cut the time where they have more time to save more, to invest more, to get rid of their debts quicker, right? Mm-hmm. So I love that you're doing this. So I could talk to you both. <laughs> Crystal and Esperanza for hours, probably. (laughs) Uh, But we have to wrap it up. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you sharing both of your stories, which for being sisters, as you notice, different uh, different impacts, same household, Mm -hmm. but uh, different impact on the money stories. And I wish you the best with Latino Money Moms. I know I will be there to support you as, as we need this. And I appreciate you sharing all the nuggets because we need to love our dinero more. So thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks, Jen, so much. What did you think? Weren't these two ladies fantastic? I hope you enjoyed getting to know these hermanas as much as I enjoyed chatting with both of them. You can connect more with them over at latinamoneymoms.com and on their Instagram at latinamoneymoms. And I'll be sure to link those up in today's show notes. On today's chat with Crystal and Esperanza, I madre, and no pun intended here, what is there not to love about these two sisters? I loved how transparent they were on their journey. And They grew up in an environment where what was shared with them was not very helpful. It wasn't serving them. It put them in a worse financial spot, especially think to Crystal's story about purchasing uh, that car at 25% interest rate. Now, it's not the fault of the parents, right? And I'll get that. That's for a whole nother conversation. I think my key takeaway was their stories and how transparent they were on their journey and how they grew up in an environment where what was shared with them was not serving to them. And it's no fault on their parents. And that is for another conversation. So what was not serving them? The use of the pawn shop for emergencies or buying that card at high, very, very high interest rate. Both of them could have easily continued on that path because no one was showing them different. Again, this is not at fault of the parents. They were only showing them what they knew, what was shown to them. And unfortunately, in some of our communities, some of the Latino communities, like I mentioned in the interview, the military communities, some of those underserved communities, they're targeted from those uh, payday lenders and those things. So this is what they know, right? There, no one is telling them different. They could have easily gone on that same path because again, no one was showing them different. But notice, they took it upon themselves to make that change and that they did and they did so very well. And what we can take away from today is that no matter your circumstances, and I want you to hear me clearly, no matter your circumstances, you are in control. You can feel like your circumstance is non-changeable, where you're, they're just, you're in dire straits, but you are in control. You can take back control and you have that power to change your financial life. So if you are listening right now 
and you are in a situation where you feel hopeless, where you feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, think to what changes Crystal and Esperanza have made in their lives. Think to that. And I hope that serves as an inspiration for you to change, for you to take control, for you to take that power back. Because the money is waiting on you to tell it what to do. Don't let your circumstances dictate the direction in your life. And that's what I'm trying to say. So I love the story or the stories that they shared. I love these two ladies and what they stand for. I love what they're doing because it's truly, truly an inspiration. And I hope that you take that, especially if you are in a situation where you feel like there's no hope. Because remember, you can take that control and change your life for the better. So that is it for today. I want to make sure that if you have not created your free account in the Her Money Matters Academy, you are missing out. And there's so many different free resources you can tap into. It's so simple. All you have to do is grab your copy and your free copy at that of my daily money ritual. And that will get you your free account going. And all you have to do to grab that is go to jenhemphill.com forward slash HDM. And I'll have that link in today's show notes. That is a wrap for today. I want to thank Crystal and Esperanza for joining us, for being so transparent with their money stories, for sharing their knowledge, their wisdom, their experience. And be sure to check out the show notes on where to find Crystal and Esperanza over at jenhemphill.com forward slash HDM28. Next week on Her Dinero Matters, we will be getting to know Minue Yoshida, who is a Japanese-Mexican, and she shares her multicultural household experience and money story, and it's unique, and you don't want to miss that. Also, don't forget, if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, if you got a ton out of this episode or this podcast, I encourage you to share with a friend, with a stranger, with a coworker, with a family member. You just never know how this podcast or how this particular episode, how their Latina Money Mom story could impact your friend or your family member or a stranger because you never really know what is going on in their financial life. And this could be that episode or that podcast that could push them forward to progress in their financial journey. So I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your support. Y nos hablaremos el próximo viernes. We will talk again next Friday. 